Well, hello, 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 and welcome to the 2021 NFL Draft. My name is Mark Schofield here in the big chair for today, Thursday, April 29th, 2021. In just a few hours from now, the Jacksonville Jaguars will officially be on the clock. And the craziness, the chaos, the absolute absurdity that is the 2021 NFL Draft experience will officially be underway. What we're going to do today, got a couple of things on the docket. I've got some final sort of mocks to get to from the dear listeners. Uh, a couple more came in, sort of trickled in some other different things that I'm going to get to in the second half of the show. Also, I opened up the mailbag and got some stuff to opine on as the show really gets rolling. And of course, I'm going to have some sort of instant reaction to the Teddy Bridgewater trade and what that might mean for the draft, for the first round, for a couple of teams, and yes, for the New England Patriots. But before we do all of that, your usual cavalcade of announcements, please follow along on the Stake Map at Mark Schofield. Check out the work at a number of places. Matt Waldman's RSP. The various different SB Nation websites, Big Blue View, where I've done a ton of stuff this week, uh, Bleeding Green Nation, Pat's Pulpit, where I'll be on Thursday night, and of course... Touchdown Wire, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. As for, again, my plans on Thursday night, if you are curious, top of the first round at the SB Nation live show, sometime around when the Patriots are on the clock, I'll be joining the crew over at Pat's Pulpit, their live stream, and then I will be rounding out the first round of the NFL Draft, as always, with Sigmund Bloom and Matt Waldman over at Football Guys. Doug Ferraro will have you covered with live reaction to every pick at touchdownwire.usatoday.com. I will have a round two mock drop sometime Friday morning, maybe in the wee hours. Don't stay up for it, um, but look for it when you wake up. How about that? Um, as for Friday, you'll probably get some picks and, and analysis from me. I'm going to be joining another live stream, Dave Crumrow, um, like I did last year in the second round. And then you'll get best available and then some 2022 stuff once this thing all ends on Saturday night. So lots of stuff, lots of content coming your way. Let's get to the news of Wednesday. Teddy Bridgewater is now a Denver Bronco. Bridgewater traded to Denver for a sixth round pick. And the teams are going to sort of split his salary for the season ahead. Denver paying about, I believe, $7 million. Carolina playing $3 million. Maybe it's flipped. Three and seven, but they're split in the salary over the next couple of over the next season. So, what does this mean? At the outset, what does it mean for the Denver Broncos? A lot of people have connected Denver with a potential quarterback pick, whether at nine, whether they trade up. Now, I wouldn't necessarily rule that out still. And here's why we all know the new general manager, George Payton, has been given. Free autonomy, free rule, free reign on the quarterback decision. Drew Locke was apparently John Elway's guy, but it does seem like Elway, with his recent move out of the GM role into more of a sort of executive-type role with the organization, he has taken himself out of the decision-making process at quarterback and sort of turned it over to George Payton and said, look, you decide what you want to do. The acquisition of Teddy Bridgewater could mean two things for Denver. It could mean he's a hedge against Drew Locke this year. Drew Locke is still going to be your starting quarterback, but if it doesn't go south, they got a veteran to turn to, and 
that frees them up to go in a different direction at nine, whether staying and making a pick, trading out, whatever. It could mean that they want to go rookie at quarterback and Bridgewater is now their bridge guy and they can move Drew Locke. Now, so what does it mean for Drew Locke? Well, maybe he's still their starting quarterback. Maybe he's with a new team by Sunday. Maybe, as Kyle Shanahan said, nobody's going to be alive come Sunday. Who knows? So I don't think, and I wrote about this at USA Today, I don't know if it necessarily means anything. They could still go quarterback. They could still not go quarterback. They could look at Drew Locke as the starter. They could look at Teddy Bridgewater as the bridge to Justin Fields. We just don't know. And in a similar vein, Carolina now could be back in the QB game. They don't have to force a pick, but if they do like somebody that's there at, say, eight, they could draft them. And that's the critical part for our purposes here because, as we heard on Tuesday, and I talked about this with Mike DeBate on Locked on Patriots. He was kind enough to have me on for a show on Wednesday. New England has had what are being termed preliminary discussions with Carolina about what a trade might look like. But if Carolina wants to stay pat and make a quarterback pick of their own, this could throw a wrinkle in it. Or it could drive up the price. They might, if we start hearing rumbles over the next, you know, four hours that Carolina is now back in the QB game, that might drive up the price of New England potentially coming up to eight. So that's one potential impact. Another is if Drew Locke's available, does New England go Drew Locke? I wouldn't rule that out. And I would, if, if they go the sort of established quarterback route, I will tell you I would prefer the option of potentially developing Drew Locke over Jimmy Garoppolo. I know there are a lot of people still clamoring for Drew for Jimmy Garoppolo. You look at the price tag, the opportunity to develop somebody. He's just entered his third year, his second what would be his second full year as a starter in this league. You know, you know what Garoppolo is. Drew Locke could have some potential upside, and so if it comes down to going that route for New England, I'd rather they go Drew Locke because he's still cost controlled for at least another two seasons after this one than trying to sort of restructure Jimmy G, who comes in with a current price pack of $28 million. So there are some potential ramifications there. Now let's get to your mailbag stuff. Like I said, we got a couple of, a lot of stuff that sort of came in. We kick it off with Kevin with an AA at Big Time Sports GU1. Allergies are BS. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. You're talking to somebody that found a, like a half hour to do some yard work on Wednesday. I've been doing a ton of yard work over the past couple of weeks here, trying to get the place ready for spring. In between the tree pollen, the gnats, the rest of the pollen that's out there, I only lasted like 20 minutes outside on Wednesday. I couldn't take it anymore. So allergies, I get it, man. The, the tree pollen is like piling up in the street, piling up in yards. You can't go outside without your eyes just gluing shut it's brutal and that's just sort of outdoor allergies seasonal allergies what about the other stuff allergies are the worst man i get it pablo huel at huel pablo my draft musts crushes are Xavier collins kellen mond to marion terry and avery williams what are yours 
well, sort of in a general sense, guys that I've really loved watching, Mari Rogers, Amon Ross St. Brown at the wide receiver position, DME Brown, those three I really sort of loved watching. At the corner position, look, J.C. Horn, probably not in range for New England, although maybe, um, but I did enjoy watching him, and I think he could be a star in this league. I do like Elijah Molden, but I don't know where he sort of fits. There was some interesting discussion about Elijah Molden on the Bird app on Wednesday with a scout basically saying, yeah, he's like Buda Baker, Tyron Matthew, but I don't know what you would do with a guy that's slow and small, but who still played 10 years in this league. It was like an absolute journey, that sort of scout statement about him. But I do like watching Elijah Molden. I think he's fantastic. Xavier Collins is a very nice call there from Pablo. He was a ton of fun to watch. In terms of some other sort of guys that are crushes, I mean, I think I've pretty much covered them. And we've covered them a lot here on this show anyway. There aren't really any quarterback crushes outside of the top guys. Like, can I get behind Davis Mills at some point in this draft? Sure. More so at 96 or if they trade down and get a pick in the 70s, then, you know, obviously 15, 46. I mean, I'll understand that if they do it, I won't be overjoyed. And there's still a lot of development that needs to be done. It's just a weird quarterback room. We've we've talked about that. Reluctant trade at Reluctant underscore trade. Mark, if you rank all the top quarterback prospects over the past three years, where would the 2021 QB class rank? New England has had multiple years to find their guy. If QB4 in this year is better than QB1 in previous years, then it makes sense to trade up. I, I think in terms of the overall class, in the years I've been doing this, this one is on par, perhaps even a little bit better than 2018. In 2018, we saw five guys go in the first round. But, you know, you had Lamar come off at the end of the first round. Whereas this year, I do think we get five, I'll say at least reasonably certain, in the top 15. I don't buy the idea that Justin Fields slides to 36, 32, let's put it that way. Now, in terms of where these guys rank, I do think Herbert is at the top of all the guys that I've studied ever. I think Fields is up there. He's not one, but he's more like in that like three, four range. Wilson probably in that like sort of like five, six, seven range. Lance more in like the nine, 10, 11 range. And I haven't sat down and ranked these guys, but, and, and Jones, you know, probably, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13 out of all the guys I've studied. That's a very good group. It's a very good quarterback group. And I do think, you know, as prospects, thinking back to 2018 when my QB4 was was Lamar Jackson and my QB5 was Josh Allen. You know, I was higher on probably, I was certainly higher on Jackson than I was Mac Jones. And you could kind of put Allen maybe on the same level as Mac Jones. I wasn't a big believer in Allen, but I could see where it could work. And that kind of is how I feel about Mac Jones. Like, I'm not a huge believer, but I can see where it could work. Now, obviously, look, I missed on Josh Rosen. That was a wild miss because 
we assumed things about Josh Rosen from a mental perspective that just were not true. And that's that was an important lesson for me in that what you think about quarterbacks from a mental perspective might be wildly off. And it's interesting to sort of keep that in mind as you hear all this discussion about Justin Fields from a mental perspective when, again, I'm going down the road that he's a lot smarter than people think. And I think I got it right this time, but we'll find out. But I do think that, that, like, quarterback four in this group is probably better than, you know, if quarterback four is Trey Lance, I think I'd still probably have Lance QB four last year, but it would still be a a first-round pick after Burrow, two, or Herbert, three guys that I liked. But some years, 2016, Lance would probably have been QB three. I did not like Paxton Lynch, and yeah, I missed wildly on Dak, but Lance would probably have been QB3 that year. And so it it is a year, I think, to address the quarterback position, given the need, given these guys. But I've thought that in previous years, and as we like to trade pointed out, I didn't, we didn't, they didn't do it. So we'll see. Up next, we're going to take a quick pause here. The rest of of your questions and queries and rants, as well as a couple of sort of stragglers that came in uh, via email and Twitter in terms of mock drafts and the like. That's ahead here on this Draft Day episode, episode 192 of the Scope Show. Mark Schofield back with you now on episode 192 of the Scope Show. This is your Draft Day episode one. You'll probably get a show for me later tonight, early Friday morning, depending on what the Patriots do in the first round, which again kicks off just hours from now. As I mentioned, we had some stragglers come in with some mock drafts that I did want to get to. The first one comes to us from Ben, who's on Twitter at Ben73121007. He's got his mock done via the Draft Network. At 15, Trey Lance. At 46, Najee Harris. At 96, Marlon Tuipola Otu, the defensive tackle from USC, whose name I just butchered. Dylan Moses at 120. Walker Little at 122, although he's getting, I don't want to say round one buzz, but early day two buzz, it seems like. But I have him more in that 122 range, and I think he'd be good value there. Ambry Thomas at 139, the press corner for Michigan. Josh Palmer at 177. Jalen Darden at 188. Love that back-to-back wide receiver picks. Shaka Tony at 197, a guy that was getting day one buzz earlier in the process. And Ben Mason in the Ben Mason spot at 242. Absolutely love that mock. I would take that in a heartbeat right now. Absolutely would take it. And I thought this was interesting from Aaron Williams at big underscore daddy 814 B-I-G underscore D-A-D-D-Y 814. He sort of turned over his top three at each position, like his three top guys at each position. And I did want to share because I thought it was really well done. At QB, Justin Fields, Brady White, and Mac Jones. And Again, Brady White's getting a lot of love around these parts between Russell and now Russell Easterbrooks and now uh, Aaron Williams. I could see it. I could certainly see it. At running back, Kylan Hill, Chuba Hubbard, Kenneth Gainwell, and wide receiver. I love these three. Amari Rogers, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Kay Johnson. Huge fans of those. At tight end, Brevin Jordan, Matt Bushman, Luke Farrell. I get it. It's tight end. It's not a huge option, but those three guys would be... You now, Brevin's probably a day two pick that I could get behind maybe at 96 if he's there. The other guys are day three picks, but I could certainly see it. 
Uh, Tevin Jenkins, Alex Leatherwood, Samuel Kosme at tackle. Love that. Ben Cleveland, Quinn Minerts, Deontay Brown. Absolutely love those three guys at uh, interior offensive line. At center, Landon Dickerson, Jimmy Morrissey, Trey Hill. Big fans of those. Uh, Twyman, Slayton, and Togai, uh, interior defensive tackle. At edge, Jonathan Cooper from Ohio State, Peyton Turner from Houston, Ronnie Perkins uh, from Oklahoma. Totally see all those guys, especially Turner. I've become a huge fan of him. Zayvon Collins, Pete Warner, and Grant Studard at linebacker. Love that. Ife Milifonwu, Paulson Adebo, and Zach McPherson at corner. And at safety, Joshua Bledsoe, Tariq Thompson, and Richard LeCount from Georgia. And a kicker, Patterson, Riley Patterson, Matt Coglin, and Blake Howbell at the kicker spots. Appreciate that, Aaron. Um, I can see all of those guys as options for New England, and I get why they're all in your sort of top three at the position. And the final mock of the 2021 draft cycle comes in via email from Dale Hobson. Trades out of 15, slides back to 17, Mac Jones from Alabama. Trades out of 46, slides back a couple spots to 49, Elijah Moore from Mississippi. Jabril Cox at 79. Thomas Graham Jr., the corner from Oregon at 96. Brady Christensen at 122. Josh Palmer at 147. This was a trade up. Actually, no, a trade back. Slide back from 139 to 147, Josh Palmer. Uh, Bobby Brown, defensive tackle from Texas A&M at 158. Benjamin St. Just at 160. And Aaron Banks at 177. We close out this draft cycle with a few more of your questions. This one comes from Alex Freeman at the underscore Freemanator, F-R-E-E-M-A-N-A-T-O-R. How much is too much for the Pats to trade up for Fields Lance, or what is the highest price you'd be prepared to pay? I think 15 and a future first is a no-brainer for either of those guys. As you start asking for more, if it's two firsts, I'd rather it be for Fields than Lance, but I could sort of get behind it. If it's two firsts plus, it's more Fields at that point than Lance. Because, uh, again, one guy's QB2, one guy's QB4. But I'm willing to give up future first for either of those guys. I am. Um, will they have to do that? Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. Um, I guess we'll know more in a couple of hours, perhaps. From Adam at V-A-G-U-S-N-C. The Rams have taken a different approach to the draft. If they're successful in a championship, do you see the copycat league emulating them, especially with an anticipated expanded salary cap in coming years? Absolutely. Look, teams have already copied the the Rams, right? If you sneezed on Sean McVay in the past 20 years, you got a head coaching interview since then. And if the model of forget the draft, the draft doesn't matter, it's all noise, it's idiots like me pretending they know stuff, go get established players and pay the premium if you have to, and they win a Super Bowl doing that, teams are going to follow. I mean, what have we seen in recent days? Baltimore, right? Eric DaCosta. Basically came out and said the draft is a crapshoot. And that's an NFL GM. That's not yuckleheads like me on Twitter saying it, much to the chagrin of people in the industry. It's an NFL GM saying the draft is a crapshoot. You have all the information at your disposal and you draft Josh Rosen in the first round. Like, you don't know what you're getting. Even when you think you know what you're getting, you don't know what you're getting. Between Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson, there's a pretty good odds that one of those guys is a bust. That's just the way this works. And so I do think the idea of just foregoing the draft and paying premiums for these players, if it works, teams are certainly going to copy it. 
Mr. Crockpot at M-R-C-R-O-C-K-P-O-T. Ask a question about the Eagles. He is the host of Party on Broad. I'm going to be on with him Friday uh, post-draft to talk about what the Eagles do. Do you see the Eagles staying put, trading up, or trading back Thursday night? I could see all three happening. I could see them sitting there making a pick. In my mock of integrity, I had them come up to get ahead of Dallas for Patrick Sertan. They have a lot of needs. They could slide back, particularly if a quarterback is there at 12 and a team like New England or a team like Chicago wants to come up. And so they could do all three. And I'm very curious to see what they end up doing. Chris Doherty at C-D-O-U-G-H-E-R-T-Y, NFL. Who's a dark horse team no one's talking about about trading up for a quarterback? I think Chicago, obviously, is that team. You know, I, I don't think they're done at QB per se. Now, a real dark horse, Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay's sitting at 32. They've brought everybody back, right? Including Antonio Brown, which was announced on Wednesday. They don't have a ton of needs. Every time you talk to somebody about doing a mock draft, it's like, I don't know what to do with Tampa Bay at 32. Maybe they go up and get a quarterback. Maybe they do what Bill Belichick didn't do all these years with Tom Brady and say, we're going to go get a guy. If Trey Lance somehow slips into the mid-teens, Tampa Bay might say, you know what? Let's go get him. And he can learn from Tom Brady. So Tampa Bay is my sort of dark horse contender for a team that might get in on the QB game because they don't have a ton of needs. And I know, look, they have Ryan Griffin. They've got guys behind Brady that they like, but I don't know. The chance to mold Trey Lance or Justin Fields, Bruce Arians might love that. So that's my dark horse team, Tampa Bay. For my boys at Rock Pile Report, Chris and Drew, why are running backs consistently overvalued this time of year by most analysts besides Matt Waldman? When history has shown that you can typically find impact players at the position, some might be scheme-dependent but impactful nonetheless throughout the NFL draft. That is code for please do not let the Buffalo Bills draft Travis Etienne at 30. Because that's a Bills podcast. As for why running backs get overvalued, I think a lot of the people doing this still come from the sort of traditional mold of running backs matter. And look, I'm somebody that mocked ETN at 30, but I did that in part because of what he offers in the pass game as well as what he offers as a runner. A guy led the ACC in rushing yards. Like He's a good running back. He might not be an ideal scheme fit for Buffalo right away out of the gate, but he'd be part of an RBCBC, right? And running back by committee. You know, Singletary and Moss might be better sort of cut-and-go zone-type guys, whereas ETN might be better fit from a vision perspective and a field perspective as a gap-power type of guy. But I do think that, yeah, you're right, guys. Running backs get overvalued in this process, and there are options later in this draft if Buffalo wants to go running back. A Michael Carter might make a lot more sense for them from a scheme fit perspective in the second round than ETN at 30. But a lot of people still believe in the running back position, and that's why you're seeing these guys still be valued in first rounds. Now, in my sort of what I would do if I were Buffalo Mark, I'd consider a running back there, but I think you could go edge, you could go D-tackle. Buffalo, similar to Tampa Bay, doesn't have a ton of needs. They could go best player available. But there's a quick thought on running backs. We close it out with a question from at this Ryan Jackson. If your first and middle names are Michael and McCorkle, what would you choose to go by? 
And I gave this a lot of thought, and the only thing I could come up with is Eminem. Sure for Michael McCorkle. I'm not going by Mac. Eminem. Maybe it sticks, maybe it doesn't, but that would be my pick. Speaking of picks, though, Jacksonville is on the clock now. Well, not now, but pretty soon. Maybe it is now, depending on when you choose to listen to this. Either way, we're finally here. We've finally made it to the 2021 NFL Draft. I wish you all good fortune in the wars to come. I will be back at some point, either tonight or tomorrow morning, with reaction to what the Patriots did in the first round, as well as the rest of the draft. Again, follow along on the Bird app. I got two Bird app references in today, but I didn't make any in the last couple of shows, so I, I'm playing with my, my stockpile of Bird app references here. But follow along on Twitter at Mark Schofield. You, you know the places to find me Thursday night, Friday, Friday night, and all that fun stuff. Um, have fun. Enjoy the draft. It's like Christmas morning for a lot of people here in this process. Until then, friends, stay safe. Chicken in your loved ones. Wash those hands. And what do you do? Sit along. And bless those Patriots reigns. Down in Foxborough.